All right, before I get to my next guest, Matthew Lawrence, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Company. At Ben Hogan Golf, they manufacture some of the finest golf equipment in the world in their small factory in Fort Worth, Texas. That's because they build each club by hand using the same process Mr. Hogan created when he started his company 65 years ago. They call it micromanufacturing, so no mass production, no shortcuts, Visit them online at BenHoganGolf.com to learn more about their tour quality products and factory direct prices. also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play plus 4 and release the secret the pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, grip golf pride. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back with me here on Next on the T is one of my all-time favorite actors, radio hosts, and people on the planet for that matter, and that's Matthew Lawrence. You guys hear me talking about Matthew's show Backspin Golf every week at the top of the show because it's fantastic and it's the best way to start your Sunday mornings. You can stream it online by going to WLXG.com or on the WLXG app. Earlier this year, Matthew was recognized by the PGA of America's Kentucky section as their media representative of the year for his great contributions to the game. Among Matthew's great work on screen are his stellar performance as bass player Salamato in one of my top five favorite movies of all time, Eddie and the Cruisers. You've probably also seen him on Saturday Night Live. He was a part of the sixth season there. He was also on Beverly Hills 90210, One Tree Hill 30-something. The list of shows goes on and on. Matthew was also a sideline reporter for Duke and Kentucky Basketball. He's just a tremendous talent, and I'm very excited he's back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Matthew. How are you, my friend? Uh, uh, I'm good, Chris. Keep going. Just keep listing <laughs> things that I've done. Keep going. This is good. I, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I need validation, so I don't get it that often. So <laughs> I'm doing well. Well, look. And uh, as as always, it's great to talk to you. <laughs> hey, look, I got you sandwiched between two major champions and Owen Brown and Mark Wiebe. I, I mean, you know, I, 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 as I always, as I always say, whenever I am lucky enough to be on next on the day, I, I look at the lineup of the shows that I've done. And I'm like, what am I doing here? What, what, <laughs> well, what? I mean, so tonight is no exception. Uh, I just listened to a good part of, of Olin's um, talk with you, and he's fantastic. What a what a great guy. And, and uh, yeah, two major champions. But, you know, part of me realizes that that's where I belong. I, I, I belong <laughs> surrounded by champions like that. <laughs> Indeed you do. Yeah. All right, so uh, we got to jump in and talk. Masters, and I and I want to start sort of with the pre-Masters hype because going in, and I, and I know 
you don't like to mention his name. You like to refer to him only as Briceps or the Hulk. But uh, Shambo was was going to go into the into Augusta National. He was going to you know destroy the course. He was going to you know shoot some crazy low score. He was hitting nothing more than seven iron into any of the holes. Um, and then obviously uh, none of that worked out, and he finished tied for thirty fourth. That had to make you smile. You know, it's really interesting because I I kind of half hit around about this, and I'm on. Uh, as well as backspin golf, I do a daily drive time show on ESPN here in Lexington, Kentucky. And leading up to the Masters, and even before that, um, I, I want to make it clear how much I admire what he has done. Um, the respect that I think everybody should have for him in not only adding the weight and doing all that, the work that he's done to get to the point where he is now uh, is staggering and nobody else has been willing to do it. I, I acknowledge all that. And the thing I actually do like about him is that he doesn't care what anybody thinks he's doing this for himself. And that's something that we all can learn from. If, if it should be about him, it shouldn't be about, well, he looks funny or his putting grip is horrible or he doesn't care. And for the most part, what he's done, as we saw at Wingfoot, is pretty remarkable. Now, having said that, I don't like him. And most of my uh, opinions about sports figures and ass, and we all have them, they're very kind of personal things. So when I'll tell you what the capper was before the Masters. When he said he considered Augusta to be a par 67 for him, I lost my mind, basically. And uh, so that whole four days of all the things that happened to him, and I thought the the lost ball was a a really bad break, but I thought it was pretty ridiculous. Uh, I know it's the rules of golf, but I thought he got hosed on that. They found that ball right after they stopped looking. But all the other things that happened to him, I enjoyed because I thought, you know, Chris, we all talk about, especially during these times with a lot of things going on, don't say the quiet part out loud is a popular phrase now. Well, there was no reason for him to come out and say, I think it's a par 67 for me. None. And so when he goes out and does what he does, um, my, I'll tell you what my favorite part of the entire series was, other than DJ winning, which I thought was great, was that Bernhard Langer, 63-year-old Bernhard Langer, who averaged 250 off the tee, finished at three under par. And Mr. Par 67 finished at two under par. I thought that was the greatest statement about golf of the whole time, maybe of the whole year, and also what Larry Mize did. Um, so the whole Masters experience for me, I forget, what was the question? <laughs> I'm just <laughs> rambling. I'm rambling. Here. Um, <laughs> um, yes, that's about Bryson. Uh, okay, now, would you like me to continue with the Masters? Please. Would you like me? Just keep going. Okay. Yeah, no, you, right, you just yeah, keep you, going. You can just relax. I'm just sitting I'll here. I'll take over here. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> um, 
here's the other thing, uh, one of the many things I loved about the Masters. And I've been saying this ever since we came back to playing uh, when the pandemic started. I love watching golf, any tournament, without the fans. I understand that we need the fans in golf. I get all that. I'm talking about just for me, the experience of watching these tournaments on TV with no fans has been glorious because we see the entire golf course, which we never do. And that was a hundred times more important to me watching the four days at Augusta. Um, Now, having said that, I also pray every day that by April, when we have the next Masters, we have thousands of fans there and that we we are all back to where we want to be. But for these four days uh, and being blessed enough to have been at Augusta a couple of years ago, it's the only time I've been there. But to see that golf course the way you or I, if we were ever lucky enough to play that golf course, the way we would see it without stands, without thousands of people on the course, was the greatest. Um, All the areas around the greens where balls were rolling 30 feet away from the putting surface, that never happens because there's patrons sitting around the greens. All of those things, for me, made it just, you missed the roars when things happen. But other than that, I thought the TV experience of watching it with no fans, one of the best things uh, about golf this year. See, that's interesting that you went that direction. When you started talking about enjoying it without the fans, and I'm with you, being able to see all of the all of the grounds and all of that sort of thing, I thought was fantastic as well. But I thought you were going to go more towards, you know, not liking hearing, you know, the guy yelling, we don't hear this at Augusta National because the less court you're right off the golf course. But in, in for right. other tournaments, the guy yelling mashed potatoes or get in the hole or all of those oh, sorts of things. Now, that I've enjoyed, I, not having that. Well, me too, but, and I'll tell you, the week before in the Houston tournament, where there was the first tournament they had, very, not that many fans, it just goes to show you what knuckleheads these people are. I mean, they had one guy. There were there may be 20 people around the tee box, and there was one guy who screamed, I don't even know. It made me miss mashed potatoes. I don't even know what he was yelling. I mean, and as soon as it happened, I went, see, this is what keep fans off the golf course. Just keep them up. The only place they should be allowed is on the 16th hole in Phoenix. That's the only place they should be allowed all year. Fans is, is at that part three where they can scream and yell and do whatever they want. But yeah. Matthew, I know what a what a huge fan of Tiger Woods you are, and uh, and it certainly wasn't his week, and I don't think the conditions and and playing the number of holes on Saturday that he had to play were really conducive to him playing well. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I want to get your thought, and I talked to Owen Brown about this in the last segment. To his credit, he took a ten on number twelve on, on Sunday, uh, and I think a lot of us, probably you and me for sure would have thrown it in at that point. We'd have gotten so mad, you know, it would just have been a throwaway the last guy. Who knows what we would have shot over the last several holes. But um, but not him. 
right? Comes back and he birdies 13, he birdies five of his last six holes. To me, that speaks volumes about his greatness and was a heck of a lesson to us and to junior golfers that were watching how he recovered from that and then played that well coming in. Kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, you basically just said it. At, at, when he finished within 30 seconds, I put that on Twitter. That this is why, to me, in my opinion, he's the greatest of all time, was exactly what happened there. Now, he's never made a 10 in a major championship before. But that experience of watching him, and look, I, all I wanted him to do going into the week was a make the cut first of all and then b i don't even want to say competitive i didn't expect him to be among the leaders on sunday i really didn't i just wanted him to play well and uh, i think w whatever he would say he he always goes into a tournament uh thinking to win it that's it period he doesn't care about finishing second so when he took that 10, it, he knew he, by that time anyway, he knew he wasn't going to win the golf tournament. But for him to birdie five of the last six holes on that golf, we saw what it did to other people on that day. For him to do that is the reason I think he's the greatest that ever played the game. Uh, with apologies, more not apologies, to Jack. Um, and that's a whole other discussion for me. But um, it was astounding. It actually, when he tapped in to finish on 18, I actually had tears in my eyes with what I had just witnessed. That's how much, and I agree a thousand percent with you, especially with junior golfers and golf coaches. And because they will show that and talk about that for years to come. And, you know, his impact in the game, just when you think maybe it's, it's waned. He comes up with something like that. And they'll, I mean this, they'll use that as a teaching point and a lesson, a life lesson for junior golfers for years to come. It was fantastic. So let's talk about the guy that won the tournament and Dustin Johnson. Now, you talk about a guy, you go back to the beginning of August. You know, finished tied for 12th at the WGC event in Memphis, tied for second at the PGA, mm -hmm. blew away the field at the Northern Trust, finished second at the BMW Championship, obviously won the FedEx Cup at the Tour Championship, and then tied for sixth at the U.S. Open, tied for second at the Houston Open, and then wins the Masters. That's a, that's a heck of a run. It seems like this is a guy that's going to be poised to be either number one or right at it. Uh, right around it, I should say, for a long time. Your thoughts on on sort of the run that we've seen Dustin Johnson do the second half of the year? Yeah, but wait a minute, Chris. Come on. I mean, he only won twice or three, whatever it was. <laughs> Come on. He wasn't that great. Seriously. I mean, you know, you're acting like the guy won every week. Stop. Uh, <laughs> um, you, know, you know what gets me about the whole that whole experience? He played really well the week before. Uh, and he also had to deal with taking some time off because of COVID, um, all of that stuff. He was playing really well. He shot 30 under not too long before the Masters. And it was like, this is another thing about Bryce that got me. All anybody with, 
I love how annoyed all the other guys got when in the press tent when they were all questioned. You know, what do you think about Brett? Like, I love Brooks Kepka's face when they asked him that question. I mean, and it was the same thing with DJ. I mean, even though he was the betting favorite, it was almost like people. And then what really one of the things I'm happiest about him winning that tournament is they even did it on their coverage over and over again. How many times uh, and the coverage of golf tournaments is I could do five shows on that. But how many times did they bring up that he had four times had lost 54 hole leads? major championships over 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 and over again and everybody started thinking when that lead was cut to two people everybody started going here we go here we go all he needs is one bad shot and here we go so i love how he finished on sunday um it's a testament to how hard he's worked on his game um he had he's gone through rough patches in his career like Tiger almost personally, um, professionally. The talent obviously is immense. Um, to see where he's come, kind of startling. And for anybody to be able to drive the ball the way he does, to have worked on his short game, I heard uh, Owen talk about and his putting to the point where he could do what he did at Augusta is is really pretty amazing and if he can stay injury free if he doesn't get hurt in any way i mean he's going to be here for a long time they can talk all about briceps and all the young guys but he's uh he could have weeks runs like this uh where he's top three and winning almost every week uh if he stays injury free and you know it's a we're living in a pretty great time in terms of golf, Chris. I don't know if you know this. But we're, we're living, <laughs> I've heard we're, that. We're, we're living in a pretty great time uh, with people like DJ and the young guys. I mean, all of them. The, the game's in, in pretty good hands for, I think, for a long time coming. And as the FedEx Cup champion, and he's got the FedEx Cup lead. I know how much you like this. You know, with nine months to go in the FedEx Cup, yeah, he's got the yeah. uh, he's got the lead. Yeah, yeah. You uh, and he's not giving it up. You know, you more more than anybody know. The most exciting thing to me when the, every new year starts is after the first six holes, they'll put up who's leading in the FedEx Cup race, which is ten months away for the Tour Championship. <laughs> I love that. So. I'm very happy. <laughs> I forget winning the green jacket. He's now in the FedEx Cup lead. That's the important thing. That's right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew, just a couple more before I let you go. And I know what a huge Seve Ballesteros fan you are. But uh, were you were you into golf? And were you into Seve back when he won his green jackets in 80 and 83? You know, it's a great question. Um, I wasn't. I actually only started playing i had just started playing golf i had just moved to los angeles uh i've said this before on your show when i lived in new york and growing up we used to beat guys up that played golf i mean get golf what are you kidding me from when we were from new york and then i moved to la in 1981 82 
and started playing because my brother, Mitchie, my twin brother, was living there and had started playing. So I was aware because I was a huge sports fan. So I was always aware of Seve. Um, he was a rock star to me, even back then, even though I had just started playing golf. Um, and my admiration and my love for him just continued to grow. Um, the very first email address I ever got, which is still my email, which I won't give out, but contains the word Seve in it. Um, that's how long. And so it was in, in the 80s. I don't remember how long because I'm very old and my memory is gone now. But um, <laughs> uh, he's and the great thing, this is, you know, Twitter brought us together. Um, so, so many of the most important people in my life now are people that I've never actually met that I, through Twitter and through golf. Um, we've come together. But uh, I always tweet stuff about Seve, pictures or videos or different things. And both his sons, Javier and Miguel, uh, tweet back at me and retweet my stuff. And and it, it, it's amazing. It actually brings a tear to my eye that Sevi's sons are sitting with their phone uh, in Spain. And I'll tweet how much I love Sevi. And they'll like my tweet, knowing that it's his sons that are seeing my love for their dad. Um, I actually showed my 14-year-old son videos of Seve the other day. Uh, I was watching the Masters, and they put something up about Seve, and I said to Lee, "I want here, I want to show you something. I want you to see the coolest guy ever. <laughs> and he laughed. And I showed him a couple of videos of, of Seve, and uh, he, was, he was fascinated by him. So um, there's just, to me, there's never been anybody like him in the game of golf. Um, in in many ways, but he uh, he's always been a big part of of why I love the game of golf. Matthew, I know you're an award winning member now of the Kentucky section of the PGA of America, and, and a fantastic Wait, golfer up. who really Chris, has Chris, no weaknesses. Chris, yeah, yeah, right. That's true. Hold it. I did. Uh, sorry, I lost my phone. Went out for a second. Could you repeat what you just said? <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm having trouble with my phone. I, I didn't hear what was that? Something PGA so something what? about something. an award-winning member of yes. the Kentucky section oh, yes. of the PGA of America. I've seen pictures. Yes, so I know yes, it. I know it has to be real. Photo show. So, <laughs> yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, being the fantastic golfer that we know you are, and uh, a guy who really yeah, doesn't whatever. have any weaknesses in his game. Yeah, um, yeah, if you're going to be working on something uh, this winter, what might it be? It will be my chipping. That's what it will be. And um, luckily here in Lexington, we we have the finest practice facility that I've ever seen. It's called Man of War Golf. And uh, they have heated bays and, and just incredible putting greens. And um, it's it's the best place to practice I've ever seen. And I get not too far from my house. So I have made actually a, a vow to myself this winter. If it's not snowing and it's above 35, I'm going to take time each week um, to work on mostly on my short game. Um, I mean, I'll hit some balls, I'll hit some drivers, but I need to work on my chipping because 
you know, as I always say to my brother, I'll go out and look, I'm old, okay? I'm an old guy. But I still, when I play, if I'm hitting it fairly well, I shot 80 the other day at a pretty tough golf course. I mean, that's pretty good. And I'll call my brother and I'll say, hey, Mitchie, I shot 82 today. And if I, if I, I had five chips, I could have shot. And he stops me right away and he says, well, really? Well, uh, how many balls did you, did you take an hour and chip out of Man of War this week? No. Then shut up. He always <laughs> says it to me. <laughs> and he's right. Um, so I'm, I'm really going to concentrate on that this winter. And, um, pe- people, you know, Perry French, who, you know, who's my partner on my show, on Backspin Golf, um, we always talk about this. And, uh, actually here's, here's a tip for those lists real quick. Uh, on Backspin Golf, I had a fantastic guy named Eric Cagorno, uh, and people listening should go to YouTube and type in Eric Cogorno, C-O-G-O-R-N-O, golf, and look at his videos. He's fantastic. But he said something really interesting to me. He said, when you go to the range to practice, here's how you do it. The only way you do it. First you putt, and then you chip, and then you go hit balls. Because if you go hit balls first, which most people do, you're not going to make it to the chipping area and the putting green. And I thought about it and I thought, you know, he's, he's probably, he's right. <laughs> I mean, I'll get, I yeah. might put a little for a few minutes or whatever, but I thought it was a great piece of advice. And Perry always talks about short game always. And if we want to get better, I mean, let's face it. It, it, it ta- I think I read one time it takes 21,000 swings to change your muscle memory. I don't have that many swings left in my body. So (laughs) if I want to improve, if I want to get better, the only way to do it is your short game. You can, we all know you can, if you can, if you improve your chipping and your putting, it's, it isn't that hard to take four strokes off your score every round. Well, that's a big deal. I mean, it's a difference between shooting 87 and 83, which is a, it's a big difference. So, I'm going to work on the, the short answer is I'm going to work on my chipping this winter. <laughs> Matthew, remind our listeners about how they can listen to your shows plus follow you on social media as well. Um, my Twitter account is at real Lauro L A U R O and the number five, uh, backspin golf, as Chris always says, um, and we're eternally grateful for your support. Everybody that knows you and is connected to you in any way is that grateful. Um, it's Backspin Golf. It's on every Sunday morning. Go to WLXG.com and hit Listen Live uh, or on the WLXG app. And uh, those are the best ways to find me. Well, Matthew, you're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy night to come and, and be a part of the show. It's uh, it's always a thrill, and it's always a lot of fun uh, when you come and join me here. Always, and you know how I feel about you. I love you, Chris. You're a great, great man. Thanks for having me. No, I love you, brother. Take care. Stay safe okay. out there. I look forward to catching up with you, you again too. soon. You too. See you, Matthew. See you. It's a great Matthew Lawrence.
at real lauro five is uh is his twitter account and uh a finer individual you will not find anywhere uh he's become a, a wonderful friend on and off the show um and like you said you know we we got uh to uh tweeting back and forth years ago and we've never met in person uh but he's a, a very important person in my life and uh, a great friend and somebody that uh has taught me an awful lot so i feel very very fortunate to have met uh, both Mitch and Matthew Lawrence, uh, at least virtually, and uh, be able to count them uh, among my friends. Uh, they're two very, very special people, and I can't thank them enough. 